0: The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good whatever time of day you're listening. Welcome to the EcoRight Speaks, a podcast produced by RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, and I welcome you to the show. Today, I'm bringing you something a little different. I was introduced to our guest, Martin Ogle, by our mutual friend and contact, Grant Couch from the Citizens Climate Lobby. Grant is one of the co-founders of the CCL Conservative Caucus. I've already featured other members of that team on previous episodes, which you should totally check out if you've missed them. Anyway, Grant is a fan of the pod and an important ally to RepublicEN.org. He suggested I talk to Martin, who is making it his mission to see sustainability practices incorporated into all careers. He isn't just focused on the so-called green economy. Usually I think of those as being jobs that pertain to clean energy, renewable energy, energy efficiency, etc. But he has an idea for making every job, every career green. And I think this makes a lot of sense from a conservative perspective to think about how to do things in a way that will benefit both the environment, because you're actually conserving, you're saving resources, but also the economy, which, yay, we love the economy. We want a strong economy. And especially in this day and age, we need to be thinking of disruptive ways to kind of um, flip things on their head. So. I'm really looking forward to hearing from Martin, who currently resides in Colorado, where he founded Entrepreneurial Earth, his company that is pursuing this all careers initiative. Before that, he spent 27 years as the chief naturalist for the Northern Virginia Regional Park Authority. And now my conversation with Martin Ogle. Welcome back, listeners. I'm here, as promised, with a very unique guest. Martin Ogle, as you've heard, is the brains behind this All Careers Initiative. Welcome to the show, Martin.
0: Well, thanks for having me.
1: So I thought you could just take a moment to explain to our listeners. I, I'm i going to go ahead and guess that most of them get what a green job is, or they can put together what they think a green job is. What do you mean, or what are you trying to do with your all careers initiative?
0: Well, a good starting point actually is to think what a green job is, and um, wonder if we're um, restricting that too much. And in my view, when most people think of a green job or an environmental job, they only think of a very few things, and young people may only think of, um, say, being an environmental scientist or a forester or a ranger or something like that, when in fact what we need to think of is all jobs as potentially green jobs.
1: Right. So when I think of a green job, I think of working on a wind farm or doing solar installation or some of the things that you just mentioned. But what you're suggesting is that anybody's job could have a green element to it.
0: Yeah, and not just have a green element to it, but uh, really be green. If you think of any and all jobs, any and all activities we do can either be harmful to the environment, uh, maybe neutral, who knows, or uh, regenerative. And what we need for a green economy is for all the activities that we do to be regenerative.
1: So kind of more of a holistic approach to green jobs. Yeah. How did you come up with this idea?
0: Well, when I worked in the DC area, I was the uh, head naturalist for the Northern Virginia Regional Park Authority. And uh, we started working not only with kind of traditional environmental education activities uh, such as you know what's our local flora and fauna and ecology but really heavily got into energy and energy education. And we did some pretty major renovations on our park buildings, et cetera. And when we did that, we first found that people had an initial surprise that energy would be part of environmental education. This was way back in the eighties and nineties. And that's eventually become uh, more a comfortable, um, more people think of energy as part of environmental education. But we wanted to go beyond that. So we started working with the Career Center in Arlington and with various businesses to start to think about all jobs, including energy jobs, of course, that's a big one. But way beyond that, as being green jobs.
1: So it seems like it to, to really change the thinking, is a heavy lift, right? Like we really have to reprogram how people think about our entire economy. So (laughs) just that, (laughs) but like how, so how do we go about doing that? How do you go about doing that? Do you, you mentioned young people, do you start with, with young people? Do you start with one sector of the economy or one subsector of the economy?
0: Yeah, I think uh, it is we need to think differently. I don't necessarily like the term reprogram, but uh, we need to think differently. Um, And maybe one thing to just bring up whenever we talk about the economy is what is the economy based on? And it's based on um, really the resources, if you want to call it that, but really the living systems of earth. We get our food, our, our shelter, our even our entertainment from how natural systems work and if we recognize that and act within the boundaries of how living systems work well then we'll thrive but if we uh, take too much do too much are over impactful on living systems then we degrade those living systems upon which the economy depends so it's just thinking differently in that way uh, I can tell you a little bit about you know why we're aiming at young people, too, if you like.
1: Yeah, I think that would be really
0: helpful. So uh, I think really we need to have everyone think about this. But uh, at the high school level is where most uh, young people are starting to really focus on what they might like to do uh, as a career. Oh, trust me,
1: I have a a college freshman and a high school junior, so there's lots (laughs) of what am I going to do with my life?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and even when we get into college, of course, but uh, high school is where we uh, significantly start that process, and as I have started to bring these programs on the All Careers Initiative, um, how to make explicit connections between environmental knowledge and any career that high school student might be contemplating. As I go through some case studies and some information and perspectives, I ask them if they've ever gotten this perspective, let alone the, the case studies and information. And out of, oh, I don't know, a thousand or so high school and middle school students that I've spoken to so far, uh, I've only gotten one real affirmative reply that, yeah, I, I got this that uh, helped me think about it that way. So there's really this gaping hole at the high school level where we should be most concerned to start thinking this way.
1: Well, right. I mean, that generation is going to bear the brunt of climate change, for example, and, and other ways that we have harmed the environment over time just through our usage. Um, could you maybe give an example just for the listener who's trying to kind of piece this together of a career or some industry where you see a direct applicability to this movement?
0: Yeah, well, really good example to start with, because again, the point ends up being that we need to have good examples in all industries and in all careers. But a good one to start with is um, the Interface Carpet Company. And back in the 90s, uh, Interface's CEO, Ray Anderson, had what he called a spear in the chest moment where he realized that really the way that his company was operating was adding to the load on living systems, was creating a a world in which uh, it was not gonna be conducive for his grandkids. So he worked with uh, William McDonough, the uh, Dean of Architecture at the time at uh, UVA, he may still be there, I don't know. And they came up with a new way of making carpet And the reason this is a good example is that McDonough started with three principles. And he said, let's use daily incoming solar energy as opposed to our fossil fuel savings. Second was waste equals food. And he stresses that really we need to do away with the concept of waste by designing in the use of any byproducts in any system. And then finally, He said honor diversity, and what he meant there was just the diversity of um, ideas and people and um, the flora and fauna of a region and the chemicals, in this case, that we have at our disposal. So they designed carpet with non-toxic chemicals that can be recycled. And that alone was a huge change in the carpet industry. And then a lot of people have seen the uh, square carpet tiles that are all around. And those are, at least they used to be all, they may still mostly be interface carpet tiles. And if you um, uh, damage one part of your carpet, you don't have to do away and get rid of the whole carpet. You just replace that one tile. So manufacturing as one example of how we learn from living systems.
1: I mean, what I love about that example is that it just reminds me of, so my grandmother is 103, believe it or not. She is living through her second pandemic, um, global pandemic. She was born in the year of the Spanish flu epidemic. Um, But she, you know, having grown up through the Great Depression, she saves everything. And we could be out to dinner and she could have like the tiniest little bit of her dinner left and she's going to take it home and eat it later. And she really has this ethic of of conserving. And I think we think of the word conservation sometimes in the natural resource um, use of it, but there are things that we can do to conserve. So this idea that you're only going to replace the square that needs, you know, your kid spilled grape juice, and you only need to replace a square or two rather than ripping up the whole carpet or putting, you know, really harmful chemicals that you're then inhaling, so on and so forth. And so that's what I really love is this just kind of takes us back to our roots of like we don't have to be so wasteful we can kind of incorporate this um this culture of of conserving in everything that we do
0: yeah and another um environmental principle that i'll throw in sometimes to start off a conversation in many different areas is just a negative feedback loop how basically everything on earth works uh, biological systems and mechanical systems So when something goes too far in one direction, the system detects that and takes it back to a lower point. And then, you know, if it goes too low, you detect that as well. And the idea of conservation, I think, needs to be applied in that way so that we could get too stingy. You know, we could get so caught up in saving everything at all times that our lives would be a little um, difficult, let alone maybe not as fun. But, we can free ourselves to do a little more here and there and enjoy uh, greater consumption, let's say, but then we have a, we have a mechanism to understand when, Hey, we're taking that far too far. Let's bring it back and, and operate with lower levels of consumption. So um, yeah, just the idea of conservation overall can be thought in that way.
1: Well, and that leads me to the term environmental literacy and, mm. I read that on your um, on a blog post that you wrote that I will link in our show notes. Are you, is your focus right now on high school kids because of their already higher environmental literacy over what the rest of us have? Like I'm thinking of my boys who they take AP environmental science. They already kind of go into high school with a greater understanding I think than I was ever taught a gazillion years ago when I was in high school. Because um, I just think that that is like such an important, There's. It, it seems to me that there's more awareness now at that age group to the systems around them.
0: Yeah, um, I think definitely awareness is a lot higher. Um, the necess- uh, the um, education levels and understanding levels of how living systems work, uh, I don't know that they're necessarily a lot higher than they were say just a, um, a decade ago. And at least out in here in Colorado, environmental studies is not a required course. It's an elective. And then even within environmental studies courses, um, yeah, you can look at, you know, just what kind of environmental literacy they're getting. But very few kids are actually getting explicit uh, knowledge on how living systems work.
1: So tell us what you're doing. then. How are you? How does this work? How do you get to these students? How, do, how are you going to change the world with this concept mm-hmm. of yours?
0: <laughs> for the last uh, three years out here in Colorado where, where I've lived for the last eight, I've given quite a number of programs to high school, uh, seniors and um, uh, excuse me, high school students and middle school students, but not just in school. And I'll say that um, my two favorite um, places where I've given this talk have been at the state conferences of the um, FBLA and the um, DECA clubs in high school, and they had had very large conferences out here in Colorado. And I was given the opportunity to speak to hundreds of those kids, and found them really, really receptive. You know, they have a natural interest in business and kind of creating things that are part of our economy. And yet, I'd say that essentially all of them um, realize that we need to do it in smarter ways. So, just talking to kids and getting that idea across has been my first uh, way of doing it. But you know, for many years it was mostly just me, a, a couple partners here and there. We've now created a video. Um, a high school senior in Lafayette, Colorado, and I have uh, produced a video that we hope to release very soon. And uh, we hope that'll help get the idea much uh, broader visibility, and then we can follow up with uh, the content and you know what people actually need to know.
1: So one thing I read that um, I that you wrote that really has just kind of been sitting with me you know, this day that we're recording is the day after inauguration, and um, things have obviously been a little bit tense in the nation (laughs) since, you know, leading up to the election, and and since, in fact, somebody noted, you know, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, as our listeners know, um, that on the first Wednesday of January, there was an insurrection at the Capitol, and then on the second Wednesday in January, there was an impeachment vote. And on the third Wednesday in January, we had an inauguration. So a lot of really heavy things. And, you know, for, you know, for worse, I can't say for better or for worse. But unfortunately, we are in the situation right now where we, we have a lot of like little polarized parts of our nation. And so, I read that um, you sort of see this idea as a way to to cut through that polarization and to bring us a little bit together. And, and I was wondering if you could just um, talk about that a little bit because it's, you know, I think that healing, you know, we, we can't just put a band aid on what is hurting right now in the country. We have to kind of find all the different ways, you know, we're going to have to heal by a thousand cuts, even though that sounds really like an oxymoron, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but what, you know, what, what sort of sparked you to come up with that, um, analogy?
0: Yeah, I'd say for about the last year or so, I've first thought in my own mind about, um, what it is that we need to do to not just heal, but really transcend all the polarization. In other words, is there something that we need to do collectively as Americans that um, can really just get us right on the starting blocks together and off off to uh, doing good things? And if you just approach it from environment, you know, like, oh, uh, is climate change real or not? And do we need to do something about it? I'm afraid that could be a non-starter. If you just do it from um, the economic standpoint, um, you know, everyone does want a good economy, but of course the problem is we need a different economy. And so um, the the question becomes, how are we gonna create that? Well, if we talk about the fact that our young people need to not only have, but really on their own uh, start to develop a new kind of economy that fits in with living systems, then I think there's not that many people that are going to strenuously object. You know, we all want the best for our kids. We can come to a general conclusion that a good economy has to be compatible with the environment. And then we can take off from that point and uh, really start talking facts and um, content and stuff. I think that word
1: transcend is really the key word um, because you're right. We aren't going to, you know, to heal. It sounds a little, I mean, sometimes when problems seem too big, then we don't even try to solve them. Right. And, and there are a lot of reasons why we're polarized right now, but if we can kind of get beyond all of that for a shared goal or a shared um, vision, then that will help us kind of transcend this um, polarized place that we're in right now.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So your video is not ready yet, so I can't link the video for our listeners who are eager to hear, but how can I direct people who are interested in engaging with you on this idea or maybe who have ideas on how to take it up to scale? How, how do they find you?
0: Well, they can contact me at martin at entrepreneurial earth. That's a mouthful dot uh, that's my own that i created my own uh, sole proprietorship llc when i moved out here to colorado to kind of farm myself out and i chose that um title for very similar reasons to what we're doing with this all careers uh, idea so that's one uh if um you can insert the link once we get it up which should be within i'd say i don't know a week or so then oh, you can yeah. put it in then
1: all right well we'll definitely have a link to that video i think this is a really interesting and important concept like i said it just thinking about you know and i think part of this was a little bit the pandemic too where i especially at the beginning really found myself looking for ways to incorporate that you know the conserving ethic you know again taking it outside of natural resources but it in it definitely connects right so like I was saving glass jars, (laughs) Mm. which I don't know why it was glass jars, but (laughs) I was not putting them in the recycle bin and I was finding ways to reuse them and I know that some communities are looking at, at eliminating glass from their recycling programs, Um, either I presume it's too costly now to recycle glass so just looking for all those ways that I could be a better steward of my environment around me in a time of uncertainty, I found helpful for getting me through it. So I really love this idea. I hope that um, through being a guest on the show that other people will listen and latch on and help you take it up to scale. And listeners, we will go ahead, we will insert the link to the video after the fact. So if you're listening to this now, Our show notes, will not have it immediately after, but you can check back in on our website, um, republicen.org and find it later. Thank you so much for joining us, Martin.
0: No, thank you for having me and I hope we can continue the conversation. We now continue on the Eco Right Speaks podcast. Visit republicen.org
2: online to sign up and stand with us.
1: So listeners, a quick update since the interview that I conducted with Martin, they have finished putting together the video that he um, mentioned and it's on YouTube. The title of the video is making a living and a life empowering young people with an all careers approach. You can find it on YouTube. I will definitely link it in the show notes that we post on our blog. So do check it out. So, Price, I think I'm getting back in the swing of this whole podcasting thing after our little three-week break.
2: You haven't missed a beat. Everything I've heard and everything you've done so far on, uh, what, three episodes out of the gate in 2021. Uh, outstanding, outstandingly done, uh, as I like to call you, the star, because you are the star. Oh,
1: so, you're so nice.
2: Good job again with uh, what, Martin Ogle again this week and... Um, you know, certainly as we get going here in 2021, you know, if, if you've liked to be a guest or if you know somebody that would make a good guest on the podcast, please drop us a line and let us know. There's stories out there to be told, whether it's a, a personal journey on climate, um, you know, something regarding in the industry. If you've got a story to tell or you think you know somebody that has a story to tell, please drop Chelsea a line because we are all ears with suggestions.
1: And, you know, I'm not going to out this person, but I did have my first person to email me and say, I think I'd make a great guest and I love it. Right. I love the enthusiasm. I'm in the process of scheduling that now. And um, it may end up being next week's guest. It may be two weeks from now. um, A little up in the air for who our next episode guest is going to be. I'm just navigating scheduling challenges. But to this current episode and Martin's idea I was thinking about it a little bit over the weekend. So we're pricing our recording on Monday, the day before this episode drops. And what he is suggesting in terms of kind of greening everything reminds me a little bit of of how it seems that the Biden administration might be approaching climate with the federal agencies, right, where it is no longer... It's not like you can extract climate change and it's one issue, right? It's an economic issue. It's Mm -hmm. a health Mm -hmm. issue. It's a jobs issue. It's like kind of everything. And so that's why I thought he would make an interesting guest um, because we do need to be thinking of these issues more kind of um, more comprehensively than I think that we do. So and, and we do that well here at Republic EN where we try to show that it's an economic issue as well as an environment issue, Environment issue, and you don't need to sacrifice the economy to protect the environment.
2: No, and that's a tired old line um, from a lot of folks is, <laughs> no, we we, we don't want to do anything because we don't want to hurt American workers or American manufacturing or whatever it may be. It's, it's, a, it's a tired old line, at least for me.
1: For sure. And I think that, you know, as we go forward, we have a lot of catching up to do um, over the inaction of the last four years. And it will, you know, it, it did hurt us to not be addressing this issue. And, and I, you know, something else that I look at is our very much inflating, inflated and inflating budget deficit. And, you know, I know that RMO is not to take revenue and put it back toward paying down the debt. But part of me is a little like, huh, should we be thinking of that? Because, there is no debt plan, as far as I can tell, on how you know, and, and so it, so many messes, price, and we can't fix them all, unfortunately. <laughs>
2: Wish we could. On this podcast, you and I come up with uh, ideas to way uh, to save the world in a lot of ways, but we're trying to do it in one, you know, in in one area, obviously on on climate. Um, you know, real quick, uh, want to say, uh, number one, speaking of uh, suggestions, you know, I believe it was, I think you mentioned Grant Couch, our friend in Colorado, who had. Suggested Martin Ogle. I think mean, you mentioned that on last podcast. So thanks to Grant for suggesting that. But certainly, if you got somebody, uh, an idea for a guest, let us know. Also, um, is the 2021 year, uh, but also the spring semesters are getting underway at area schools, colleges, universities. If you're listening right now and you are a teacher, professor, um, significant other of a teacher, professor, somewhere in You know, uh, economics, political science, environmental policy, biology, uh, earth science. There's many different uh, myriad of different academic areas of study where certainly climate fits in. And if you'd like to have our executive director is a speaker, Bob Inglis. We would uh, love to uh, talk with you and see if we can set that up with your particular class or uh, department or whatever it may be at your specific uh, university and institution. Uh, and for that, you can drop me a line, price at Republican.org. So uh, the calendar is starting to uh, to get filled up here as we move through and get hopefully into the spring fairly soon as the weather changes and it's not rainy and cold out like it is my, out my window right now. But please let us know if you'd be interested in having Bob or any member of our team you know, be a speaker uh, within your organization, uh, but certainly at, uh, you know, area colleges and university. I also want to shout out, Chelsea real quick, some new members that we've got this week that we try and do every single week. Uh, Boris K. in Virginia, Salome H. in Florida, Trent N. in Washington State, Allen P. in Illinois, and Adrian H. in Texas, Folks, if you haven't signed up and you would like to do so, we would love to have you on our team, republicin.org forward slash join. It is very easy. Jels, we will correspond you with many different ways, and we will not spam you.
1: That's right. Just join us because we're fun, if you couldn't tell, and you get a lot of good content from us, so we're very particular about what we send to our members because we want every email to be something that you want to open.
2: All right, Chels, we don't have uh, next week on the schedule yet. Is that what I hear? But we will uh, stay tuned. You will have a new episode uh, next we week. We will
1: definitely have a new episode on Tuesday, and it will be listener surprise.
2: All right. I like surprises. And until then, Chelsea, we'll talk to you then.
1: All right. Stay warm.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.